Thank you, Andrew and the band, for leading us in a time of worship to our God. I'm excited to begin this weekend as we look at the theme, Forget Not All His Benefits. Uh, we themed this weekend that way, like I said, a, a phrase taken out of Psalm 103. And I think it's a helpful and a memorable phrase for us to hang our hat on as we look at the many blessings and benefits of our salvation this weekend. Uh, all of these things that God has graciously done for us in Christ. Uh, if there's one word that I would use to help frame our minds this weekend, uh, one word that we can uh, think upon, it would be the word remember. Remember. The goal is that this weekend would itself serve as a strategic time for you to pause and to remember who God is and all that He has done. That as we spend time away this weekend from our normal lives at UCLA, it just wouldn't be a time only focused on us resting or recovering or retreating, but that this would be an incredible time devoted to pausing and remembering and worshiping God as we remember his goodness to us. But my hope is that this weekend is not only a great weekend for that. My hope is that this weekend is also a fruitful weekend for equipping, of setting a foundation for our ministry and for our lives as individual believers, to set a pattern for remembering, regularly calling to mind and rehearsing and recalling again the great many benefits and blessings we have in God. All of us know the importance of remembering. Some of you have spent the last year or are getting ready to spend the next year remembering MCAT facts. Some of you guys are in the weeds on memorizing the foundations of living systems, biological, biochemical, chemical, and physical. I got you. Uh, I don't know the facts, though. And the foundations of behavior, too. Uh, some of you are stuck on circuit analysis stuff. I mean, that's your, that's your world, and you're retreating from that mainly this weekend. Some of you guys are on the right side of campus and you're stuck with the key concepts of subjective anthropology. Whatever your major or subject of choice, we all know remembering is the key to success academically, but also in other aspects of life. You see, you should remember the answers to the two security questions on your banking app. I know you don't, but you should. Uh, dudes, you should remember your dating anniversary or month anniversary or whatever the standard is these days. You should remember, all of you, Mother's Day and Daylight Savings and your best friend's birthday. In case you forgot, here right now is your reminder to pay your friend back for dinner last week, the one sitting next to you. Uh, we all know that remembering is the key to success or to relationship, 
or to just getting into the app that you need to get into. Remembering is important in our lives. It's, it's so important to remember. It's why we have reminders apps and sticky notes and the air tags. It's why we write things down and need to pull things back up uh, to reference them. It's important to remember. Well, tonight I want to look at this overarching concept uh, of what it means to remember from Scripture, uh, to look at what it means to forget not all his benefits. And I want to begin to set up a structure for a pattern of remembrance in our lives. That is, those who have the incredible benefits in salvation afforded to us by God, as those who are known by God and afforded so much by God in his blessings that we ought to be the first to remember and rehearse all of his benefits. And then by remembering, to be drawn then to worship to God. And as we remember and as we worship, I believe we will also see the great many ways that in our remembrance we are helped. We are benefited as we remember his benefits. So let's tonight look at what remembrance is in four parts. Let's look first at the benefit of remembering. The benefit of remembering. Uh, First, we need to look at what remembrance is is and the great benefit that it is for the Christian life. There are so many instances or examples that we could go to uh, in the Bible uh, because the word for remember, the equivalent word in the Old Testament and the New combined is used 350 times in the Bible. And the semantic field of the concept as a whole, that is to say, those 350 times plus the other words and phrases that signify that kind of remembrance brings that count up to 550 times in Scripture. And so the Bible is filled to the brim with admonitions to remember, uh, instances in which God remembers, uh, promises and prophecies that God will always remember, and then examples of remembering and not remembering. Scripture is full of remembrance. Now, remembering in and of itself is a, it's a very simple concept. It's straightforward. It's a word that does simply mean to call to mind or to think of Again, for God's people, remembering is a conscious, active decision to recall the truth of who God is and what he has done. It's the act of calling to mind a particular principle or doctrine or attribute or instance to combat the fear or doubt or difficulty in our lives. It's a conscious, active decision to recall the truth of who God is and what he has done. Turn for a moment to Lamentations 3. 
Lamentations 3. It's, I know, a, a book that you don't probably go to a ton, but you can find it. You go to Isaiah, and then there's Jeremiah, and then right after Jeremiah is Lamentations in the middle of your Bible. Lamentations chapter 3. Let's look at one of the clearest examples of this active remembering. Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, wrote Lamentations at the, either the, in the middle of or after the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. And uh, Lamentations is a song of lament and worship and remembrance of who God is and what he has done and what he will do. In the middle of that lament, uh, in Jeremiah, uh, in Lamentations 3, Jeremiah uh, brings us through the pain and the sorrow uh, of what he goes through as the prophet leader of Israel. Uh, look, at Jer- uh, look at Lamentations 3, verse 16. This is Jeremiah's lament. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. And so I say, my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings of the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. Here Jeremiah is uh, singing a song, uh, prophesying out loud this lament, and he is discouraged because he sees the destruction of the holy city, but he knows it is of God. If you look at all of chapter 3 of this great little book, you see the word he, he over and over. And that he is God. God has made my teeth grind on gravel, made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished and so has my hope from the Lord. He's discouraged because he knows he has a sovereign God who has left him without peace here. God is justly punishing his people. But look at verse 21, where we left off. Jeremiah says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. You see, in the face of great distress and devastation as the leader of God's people, Jeremiah calls to mind the steadfast love of the Lord. As he sees the destruction of the holy city, he remembers the never-ending mercies of God. As he remembers, as he calls to mind the 
truth of who God is and all that he has done, he is brought to a place of trust and worship, still within lament, but he is able to recognize that God is good and that even his place of waiting on God is good. Jeremiah here gains the perspective of being able to see great tragedy for God's people, but now against the backdrop of a sovereign and faithful God whose steadfast love never ceases and whose mercy is never ending. So Grace on Campus, this is exhibit 1A of the kind of remembrance that we are focusing on this weekend. Uh, The kind of remembrance that is embedded in the very real circumstances of life and yet at the same time is anchored firmly on who God is and all that he has done. It's the kind of remembrance God prescribes to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus 3 where God says, this is my name forever and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. This is the kind of remembrance God's people devote themselves to in Joshua 4 uh, when they cross the the Jordan River and then set up 12 memorial stones at Gilgal as a testament to future generations. And they say, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. This is the kind of remembrance that is echoed in Psalm 77 where the psalmist says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. It's the remembrance we see in 1 Samuel 7, when God delivers Israel from the Philistines' attack, and Samuel sets up a memorial stone, an Ebenezer, literally a a stone of help, and he declares, till now the Lord has helped us. This is the kind of remembrance God calls his people to in Isaiah 46, verses 8 and 9. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, there is no other. I am God and there was no one like me. Friends, it's the remembrance we are called to in the New Testament. In 2 Timothy 2.8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, uh, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. It's the kind of remembrance that we uh, do and that we act upon as we sing. And one of our favorite hymns that we sing is, Jesus, I, my cross have taken. And one of the verses that says this, The soul then know thy full salvation. Rise or sin and fear and care joy to find in every station, something still to do or bear. Think what spirit dwells within thee. Think what Father's smiles are thine. Think that Jesus died to win thee. Child of heaven, canst thou repine? Can you complain, O my soul, knowing that all that God has done for you and in light of who he is? GOC, we must remember. We must remember who God is and all that he has done for us. 
And I believe as we remember, we will see that there is great benefit in the act of remembrance. You see, remembrance has this recalibration factor to it. There is a tuning of our hearts to wonder again the greatness of God. There is a wakefulness to the work of Christ in our lives. There is an awareness of the Spirit's work in our lives when we stop and we remember. You see, as we remember all His benefits, we are drawn to and overwhelmed with gratitude and praise. As we remember, like Jeremiah, we will therefore have hope. As we remember Christ, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, we will find great joy in our salvation. As we remember that God, before the foundation of the world, chose us in him, we find great assurance and encouragement for our souls. As we remember God's spirit works and the word of God has its full effect, there is great benefit in remembrance. And so we must remember what God has done for us, what God has done for his people in ages past, and remember what God has done for his people in times recent. And in that, we can be sure of what he is doing now and in what he will do. And as we remember his benefits, there is great benefit to our souls. That's the benefit of remembering. Secondly, let's look at the basis for remembering. The basis for remembering. It is so important to recognize that at the outset here, uh, remembrance is founded upon God himself. It's founded upon God and his faithfulness. It's founded upon who he is, and it's founded upon his steadfast love and his unending mercy. It's what we see in Jeremiah. It's what we see in the examples of Israel and in all examples in Scripture. It's based upon God himself. You see, the very value of remembrance, of who God is and what he has done, is very simply the reality of who he is and what he has done. The, the value, the significance of remembrance of who God is and what he has done is intrinsically in the reality, the truth of who he is and what he has done. The basis for our remembering is the fact that he is the unchanging, never-failing God whose character and deeds we can remember and rehearse because we, because we have them in Scripture. And in whom, as we remember, we can also with full certainty place our trust for anything now and anything future. And this truth is something that is captured beautifully in this word, remember, in Scripture. Because in Scripture, remembering is not only something for us as God's people to do, it's also what God does. God remembers. God remembers 
perfectly. God remembers his people. God remembers his covenant. God remembers individuals and unleashes his faithful work on them. God remembers. Turn with me to Psalm 106 to see this. Psalm 106. Psalm 106, like Psalm 105 and many other psalms, chronicles the great faithfulness of God to his covenant people, and it gives us a high-level view of the history of God's people. And it shows us the remarkable basis for our remembrance in the truth that God himself remembers. Now, we won't look at the whole psalm, but we'll look at bits and pieces just to get a taste for this theme of remembrance that is woven into this psalm. Look at the first couple verses just to get a, uh, to whet our appetites as to what this psalm is all about. Praise the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare his praise? Blessed are they who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them. Uh, This is a psalm of praise to God. This is the preamble in which we can see that the psalmist is going to recount the mighty deeds of God, the wondrous works of God. And in it we see, too, the desire of the psalmist to Remain in God's blessing. Remember me, O Lord, says verse 4. And look at verse 7. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. He rebukes the Red Sea, and it became dry. And he led them through the deep as through a desert. So he saved them from the hand of the foe and redeemed them from the power of the enemy. And the waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them was left. Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. But they soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. But they had a wanton craving in the wilderness and put God to the test in the desert. He gave them what they asked, but sent a a wasting disease uh, among them. Uh, Here we see that God's people did not consider God's wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of his steadfast love to them. Verse 13 says, they soon forgot his works. You see, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, God had delivered his people from the land of Egypt. Yet soon they forgot his works. Look at verse 20. They exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt. Over and over, this psalm illustrates episodes of Israel's failure to remember. Verses 24 through 27 talk about their complaining in the wilderness. Verses 28 to 31 talk about their idolatry. It spirals even further. And 32 and 33 talk about the episode at Meribah, taking for granted God's provision 
And on and on we see more idolatry and horrifying sin in the people of God. And then we come, look at verse 40. We come to verse 40 and we see a vicious cycle of, of disobedience. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people and he abhorred his heritage. He gave them into the hand of the nations so that those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them and they were brought into subjection under their power. Many times he delivered them, but they were rebellious in their purposes and were brought low through their iniquity. At long last, God gave his people over into exile. And yet he was faithful to them. Look at verse 44. Nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake, he remembered his covenant and relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. This is the great mercy and grace of our God. And this is the basis for our remembrance that though Israel and we like Israel forget God, we forsake all that he has done, we, we turn a blind eye to his deliverances and his kindnesses. We forget God, our Savior, who has done great things. Nevertheless, he looks upon our distress with abundant mercy, and he remembers. And he remembers, and he acts. You see, for his people Israel, this was deliverance and inheritance and forgiveness of sin through the Messiah. For us, his people in the new covenant, the fullness of spiritual blessings through salvation in Christ. And that's a picture you see over and over in the Bible. God remembering his people despite their sin and rebellion. God remembering in his covenant faithfulness and abounding in his steadfast love remembering perfectly, remembering faithfully, God remembers. And that is the basis for our remembering. It's important to note, there is one thing that God, in fact, does not remember. There's one thing that, in fact, he promises to forget. And that's our sin. Isaiah 43, 25 says, I, I am he who blots out transgression for my own sake and will not remember your sins. Jeremiah 31 says a similar thing. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Uh, Jeremiah 31, 34 is quoted also in Hebrews 8, verse 12, where it's speaking of Jesus, the high priest of a greater covenant, the new covenant. And so how is it that a perfectly just God who remembers perfectly, as we saw in Psalm 106, how can he choose to just forget our sin? Because Jesus, the one who satisfied the perfect justice of God, made a way for us to be reconciled to him. 
It is by the merit of Christ that God will remember our sins no more. Because our sin was taken up on him and we have been given his perfect righteousness. Sinclair Ferguson says it this way. Perhaps the thing that we need to remember most of all is the one thing that the Lord tells us he remembers no more. There's nothing more glorious than to be living a paralysis-free Christian life in the presence of the Heavenly Father, knowing that he loves you more than you will ever know, that he's given his son to cover your sins. And he says to you, your sins I remember no more. I do hope you know the peace that that brings. Do you see, this is the basis for our remembering. Uh, that on a baseline level, that we remember that God himself faithfully remembers his people. And yet at the same time, he does not remember our sin. As we ponder the great benefit, now the basis of our remembering. We need also now, though, to consider from a different angle, uh, an angle that Scripture shows us. Let's look at the danger of not remembering. Thirdly, the danger of not remembering. You could also call that the danger of forgetfulness. That we all have that one friend or family member who is legendary, for their forgetfulness. Uh, they never remember where their keys are. Uh, they never remember where their phone is. They never remember that they can locate their phone with their watch. They just never remember what time it starts or remember how to get there. Uh, they just never remember that you're picking them up. They don't remember. There is a more serious version of this kind of forgetfulness that maybe, unfortunately, you have a family member that has amnesia, like the actual diagnosed kind of amnesia. If nothing else, it's something that you've seen uh, probably in a movie sometime. There are, and I'm not lecturing some of you guys who know this stuff better than I do, two kinds of amnesia, uh, one more common and more Hollywood than the other. Uh, the first kind is the more common kind that we see. It's called retrograde amnesia. It's the kind of amnesia where we're not able to access old memories or old information from before an incident or from before older age. Uh, there's another kind of amnesia, though, called anterograde amnesia. This is the kind of amnesia that doesn't allow you to form new memories or learn new information. Now, the former, retrograde, is more common and it's the kind of uh, precedent for all kinds of movies I'm sure that you've seen. Uh, more likely, people are to have the retrograde kind of amnesia rather than the antergrade amnesia. But sometimes people have both. It's a scary kind of state to be in um, maybe you have a family member who has suffered from this and it's a sad state to be in the room with them when they don't remember you, but you know that your presence is something maybe slightly familiar to them. 
Amnesia is a scary thing. Amnesia, without lightening the seriousness of this kind of illness, this kind of condition, it is even more scary in a different kind of way when we have spiritual amnesia. You see, in spiritual amnesia, there is both the unwillingness to remember God's goodness in your life, in the past, but there is also a willful inability to form new memories of God's faithfulness. And so there is great danger in spiritual amnesia, uh, peril in the forgetfulness of God's faithfulness in the past. Because if you aren't able to see God's faithfulness in the past, you won't want to see it right now. You will have no lens to look through to see God's goodness to you when times get tough. The kind of spiritual amnesia that we are warned against. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 4 and we see that there. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Here we see a warning against uh, forgetfulness. Israel is on the brink of the promised land and these are the final words of Moses. It's his final sermon, so to speak. Deuteronomy 4, look at verse 1. Moses says, And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them that you may live, and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take away from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are all alive today. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them in the, lo- in the land that you are entering to take possession of. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of all the peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us, whenever we call upon Him? And what great nation is there that His statutes and rules so righteous is all this law that I set before you today? Look at verse 9. Only take care and keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children how on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children. So, Notice here the responsibility that we have in verse 9 along with the people of Israel uh, to keep watch over our souls. Uh, This is something that we must pay diligent attention to lest we forget. Uh, I want you to also notice here that there is an integral relationship between remembering and obeying and fearing the Lord. Those three things, uh, let's look at again in Deuteronomy chapter 8. 
further along in Moses' sermon here in Deuteronomy. There is an integral relationship between remembering and obeying and fearing. Look at Deuteronomy 8, verse 11. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Moses is telling Israel to remember God's faithfulness because he knows at the brink of the promised land, as they look into the very fruitful land that God has given them for an inheritance, he knows the times will get a lot better and they're going to forget God's goodness in the times that were hard. Uh, They're going to forget when they had nothing to eat. They're going to forget when they didn't know where to go and they faced fiery serpents and scorpions and they were thirsty with no water. And Moses is saying, lest you forget, remember the faithfulness of God. Remember his mighty hand and his powerful uh, outstretched arm before you. Remember the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire before you in the wilderness. He guided you and led you and was good to you. GOC, if you fear God, you will keenly and constantly remember what he has done. Because you are the type of person whose heart is tender to him and cognizant of his past kindnesses. And you will be drawn to worshipfully obey him and trust him. You see, the fruit of remembrance is a proper fear of the Lord and obedience. But Moses' concern, and our concern tonight, is that it is so easy to forget. For many of you, times are just about to get good. You're going to start your job. You're going to find out you just got into the school you've been wanting to get into. Uh, The end of the year is near, and you'll have finished finals in just a few short weeks. Uh, You're going to begin the internship that may lead to a job offer. Times are going to get good. 
But lest you forget God's faithfulness and God's goodness and God's kindness to you, even now if times are a little bit harder than they will be in a few weeks, even now as you wait upon the Lord in tough times and you seek to trust Him uh, facing rejection or despair or trial, we must remember. You see, the fruit of forgetfulness, if we don't remember, is what we see here in Deuteronomy. The grave spiritual danger of apathy, of not caring, of leaving the memories of how God has been faithful aside. And then, disobedience and self-dependence and potential future spiritual death because we've forgotten God and all His good promises in Christ. The danger of this is very real. Just two generations later, we find God's people in pursuit of the promised land in Judges 8, verse 34. This is just two generations after that sermon we just read. And the people of Israel did not remember the Lord their God who had delivered them from the hand of all their enemies on every side. Israel very quickly had forgotten the goodness of God. They did not heed the warning of Moses. They did not remember God's faithfulness. They did not fear Him, nor did they obey Him. And generation after generation, we see throughout Israel's history, perishes in sin. It's what Psalm 78, 11 echoes and speaks of. They forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. And that psalm goes on to describe how they rebelled against the Most High in the desert and they spoke against God and put him to the test. And yet God, through those who were faithful, uh, continued to issue warning after warning through prophets and leaders and kings who were faithful. Psalm 50, 22 is one of such warnings. It says there, mark this then, you who forget God, lest I tear you apart and there be none to deliver. It's a grievous warning to remember. That same warning is for us. Take care lest you forget. Mark this, if you forget God, there may be none to deliver. We've considered the great grace and mercy we find in God's loving kindness toward us. How against sin and failure, God remembers His people. But friends, we must not presume upon God's kindness. We must not, as Romans 6 says, continue in sin uh, that grace may abound. We must not abuse His grace and mercy here. We must remember and obey out of the fear of the Lord. You see, next to the great benefit of remembrance, we must also heed the warnings in Scripture about the danger of forgetfulness. And we must not forget. We must remember. And that brings us to our last point, and that's the call to remember. The call to remember. GSC, as we spend time together on this retreat, 
Let's cultivate our ability to remember. Let's grow in our awareness that we must remember. Uh, We must not forget all his benefits. Uh, We must call to mind who he is and all that he has done. Uh, We have a few days away from distraction and normal life and perhaps even reception. And we have time to rehearse all of his benefits, uh, both in our own individual times with the Lord, uh, but with each other. And so we have moments where we can stop and talk about God's goodness in our lives, in salvation, and in our lives even now in this season. Uh, We have so much to thank God about, and let's not be slow to recount those kindnesses even this weekend. Let's practice this kind of remembrance. This kind of remembrance sometimes can seem like a daunting, intimidating responsibility. Where do I begin? What do I do? It doesn't need to be that way. You see, because in so much of what the Bible tells us as believers that we are to be devoted to, there is already great help and structure for remembrance. You see, when we pray and we thank God for our food or we thank God for salvation or we thank God for uh, our station in life, we remember and we acknowledge God as the giver of all good gifts. When we confess our sins to the faithful and just God who will forgive us our sins, we remember and we return to Him in humble obedience. When we humbly ask of God uh, for His provision or for His strength, we are remembering the fount from whom all blessings flow and the source of all adequacy and strength. When we read His Word and see all of His wondrous deeds, page after page, and all of the work of His salvation and all of the work of the Spirit in our lives, we are remembering and we are deepened in our understanding and our gratitude. When we talk to one another and recall his goodness to us and his care for us in conversation, we are remembering and we are encouraged to love and good deeds. When we memorize scripture and have his word at the ready on the forefront of our minds, we are remembering and rehearsing his truth more readily. When we in communion eat the bread and drink the cup, we remember and proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Uh, When we teach and admonish one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in our hearts to God, we are remembering and letting the word of God dwell in us richly. God has given us so much help and structure, so much aid already as Christians, things that we do to help us in our remembrance. The point is, we must actually do all these things for their actual purpose. We must do these things for our hearts to be drawn to worship in remembrance of who God is and all that he has done for us. Whether it's an aspect of a worship service or it's in your times with the Lord each day, We must remember because remembering draws our hearts to worship and remembering brings great benefit to our souls. 
anchoring us on the continuing faithfulness of God. And so this weekend, and as you walk with the Lord faithfully through this life, do you see, remember and rehearse all of his benefits. Call to mind the peace you have with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Call to mind the forgiveness that is yours in Christ Jesus. Call to mind the wisdom and the glories of God's redemption plan. Call to mind the union you have with Christ and the glorious blessings you have as a result. Call to mind the power of the Spirit, the Spirit's illuminating and guiding in truth. Call to mind the precious promises of God and His power to save and sanctify. Call to mind that every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies is ours in Christ Jesus. Call to mind all His benefits. As those who have been granted a great many precious promises, who have been afforded unfathomable riches in Christ, let us remember and rehearse God's faithfulness in all His benefits, all His works, all His mighty deeds. That's what we're, what, that's what we're going to do this weekend. Tomorrow morning, David is going to help us look at the incredible benefits we have from a bigger, wider perspective of God's redemption plan. And then on Monday morning, Riley is going to help us uh, by looking at the multiplicity of benefits we have in the work of Christ in salvation. And I hope this weekend will be instructive to our hearts as we remember and we learn how to remember all of his benefits. Hang with me one moment. I, I think it's only fitting that we close our time by you just, just listen. You don't need to turn. Just listen to Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him, and His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. 
The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Father, thank you for Uh, the truth we see in your word. Uh, We see the importance of remembering, of setting memorial stones in our lives to recount your goodness to us. You have been so kind, Father. You've given us salvation in Christ. You've given us the power of your Spirit. Uh, We have nothing that we lack. And so, Father, use this weekend, we ask, for us as a ministry, but for us as individual Christians to uh, recall your faithfulness to us. You've given us your Son, Christ, and so how will you not also give us all things that we need, things that we need to live a life for you, a life uh, that is a godly life, obeying you and fearing you. So, Father, help us, we ask, it is not by our strength, our might, that we even act uh, and recall here. But Father, it is by your kindness. So give us strength, we ask this weekend, to rehearse and remember your goodness, all your benefits. Father, it's in worship to you that we pray and that we now sing. In Jesus' name, amen.